Right then, uh, we're back again with Empire of the Cop inside and we've got the lovely Neil Jones here to dissect um, quite another challenging Liverpool win, it has to be said. Um, I mean, it's a frustrating game, isn't it, Neil? Was, you know, we get sort of a lot of chances, a lot of sort of aimless kind of long balls against a very sort of compact Palace side. But we come back yet again, despite going a goal down with the, the winner, of course, in uh, the extra time um it's we do get a little bit of help from the red card but you know I'm, I'm really i don't know if you're having the same sort of thing but i'm almost struggling to work out how good this liverpool side really is because of, we're top of the table you know you think if you beat arsenal you're in a really good position but you get the sense that perhaps liverpool haven't reached their fullest potential yeah i think i think that's fair i mean it's 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 again Glass half full or glass half empty, isn't it? Are you saying that Liverpool haven't hit their levels yet and they will? Or are you saying that Liverpool's luck going to run out at some point and they're not going to be able to you know, keep coming back into into games um, when they don't play well? And they've had a lot of those this season. I mean, it is a strange one. I mean, I, I speak to a lot of people who, you know, are having the same difficulties as you're having and I'm having in terms of finding the, the true level, but the results don't lie, do they? The results don't lie that Liverpool have lost twice in all competitions since April. They've got the best goal difference in the league. They've got the, the joint best um, defence in the league. They've got, I think, they, I think I don't know if they've still got it now, but they had it, I think, yesterday, the joint best attack in the league. Um, and they've already been to some of the biggest teams in the league as well, away from home. You know, they've already played Newcastle, Tottenham, Chelsea, Manchester City, away from home. So, there's... Um, yeah, there's a lot of potential there, I think, for Liverpool to get better. Um, I, I agree, you know, for 70 minutes, I, I don't think frustrating would be the word. I think dreadful would be the word I would use for, for Liverpool's performance. But for 70-plus minutes, they, they were so lethargic. They didn't create anything. They didn't really look like a team that had a plan of how they were going to win it. They they just seemed to yeah, be waiting for something to happen. And, uh, yeah, the red card obviously yeah, helps matters because it means they're able to, to really pen Palace in. But I thought the the contrast with the last fifteen minutes for what went before it was was stark, and you know Liverpool in the end got the job done. I think you're right about that sort of seventy minute. I think there's that quote from Jurgen Klopp, isn't he? We sort of saying we, we were dreadful for seventy six uh, minutes, yeah. and then you know from that point onwards, sort of the equaliser, we played our best football. Um, Frustrating, but we get the, the points. And as you say, you know, the table doesn't lie. You ultimately have to register them on the board. I mean, what's certainly clear from this is that Liverpool squad continues to deliver week after week. Uh, that's another goal uh, for Harvey Elliott. I mean, we, we look at sort of certainly the starting midfield and we're very enamoured with sort of what we've got from, you know, the boss line, the calendar, Gravenberg, etc. But I, I don't want to forget... Harvey Elliott, um, because he's still you know, an extremely young player, a very bright future. I suppose the question really is just how much can we expect from Harvey Elliott in, in the coming years? Because he hasn't really put a foot wrong, really. And you'd have to say he's almost unfortunate to not be a regular starting player, given how consistent he is with his contributions off the bench and when he's starting the cup competitions. Yeah, yeah, he's had a. I think he's had a great season. Harvey Elliott, you know, this is by no means it's his first goal of the season, but it's by no means his first big contribution to the season. You know, you think of the equaliser against Luton, which he sets up. You think of, you know, performances on Newcastle away and, and Chelsea away and Wolves away, and um, where he makes a difference. And you know, think of his form for England under twenty ones this season. You know, he's been one of their better players as well. So he's he's definitely having a good good. Um, 
period in terms of his development. He's he's very much part of the first team furniture. You know, he might be twenty, but he's you know he's closing in on hundred games for Liverpool. He's he's um yeah he's he's established himself as a senior player even even if he's not a senior age. Um and I think he I think it is it's difficult because it feels like he's sort of twelfth man a little bit. You know, you think like you're looking you're saying well who do you have as the third midfielder and you sort of you fall into that kind of choice between Curtis Jones and Ryan Gravenberg and then if you bring in Wataro Endo, then you've obviously got Alexis McAllister to, to put into that mix as well. But you would argue that his form, form-wise, I think he's been as good as any of them, probably. Maybe maybe Saboslai, the, the only one that's that's probably been ahead of him in terms of general performances. In terms of everything else, I think Elliot's been as good as anyone this season. I know Jürgen used um, his size against them in a recent game. It was Brentford, I think, where he said you know he couldn't really afford to have him and Luis Diaz on the pitch because of set pieces and things like that. Maybe that does count against them in certain games to start. But when he comes on, he comes on with a real good attitude. He comes on with a real sense that he, he knows what Liverpool needs at that moment. You know, what he knows who needs to get on the ball. He knows what where the space is and where Liverpool are gonna, you know, find some joy. And it tends to be over on this right hand side, doesn't it? When he he drifts over towards Mo Salah and whether it's Trent Alexander Arnold or on on Sunday, uh, Saturday, sorry, it was Joe Gomez. Um, he creates those kind of triangles down that right-hand side and he does it really well. And I think, I I personally think what's changed, you saw in the goal that he scored, I think what's changed with him this season is his willingness to take more risks um, in possession. And, you know, you, you, I think last season, if he gets that ball, I think he maybe carries on building and, and playing little, you know, short passes and trying to play the extra pass to create a bit of space. I think this season you saw that he's got a little bit more confidence maybe a little bit more acceleration in his in his in his um, game that he can go past someone and he can pull the trigger from outside the box and he's a technically he's a brilliant footballer he's got brilliant um you know quality in that left foot and we saw that on on saturday and yeah there's some big games coming up isn't there you know you think that we probably before saturday we might have said that he'd have his eye on that West Ham game in the in the Carabao Cup, but you know, as he played himself into the frame for Manchester United, you know, there's not many midfielders at the moment for Liverpool who are who are playing better more consistently. No, absolutely spot on. Uh, you mentioned the big games. I mean, that Arsenal game is now looking uh, all the more crucial. Uh, just as we sort of head into uh, to, to Christmas, I mean, not, not I don't want to downplay United, but it's almost if I'm looking at the games ahead that I'm worried about. I, but United doesn't really come to mind, which doesn't sit, you know, <laughs> seems a wild thing to say, really. But, um, you know, you beat Arsenal, you're four points ahead, assuming we also beat United. Uh, top at Christmas, which is the, the crucial sort of uh, landmarks, a sort of, you know, achieve, milestone to achieve, uh, really, for, for a title contender. Uh, and then, yeah, you, you, you beat, beat win, drew, win, draw, lose against Burnley, and you're still top going into the new year, which is... It is very significant uh, for, for this Liverpool side. I think even more so, sort of going into what what we were perhaps expecting to see from the season after the last season. I mean, it's it's yeah. massive progress for, from this Liverpool side, it, it, notwithstanding at Manchester City's recent sort of struggles with form. You know, it's a, I think it's an absolutely massive sign of of intent from this Liverpool side. Yeah, I do, and I think what also gets forgotten a little bit now because we moved our our sort of attentions elsewhere is Liverpool have got seven points between themselves in fifth place, you know, already 16 games played in the season. So they, they've put themselves in as strong a position as you could be really to qualify for the top four, which was the aim at the start of the season. You know, whatever way you dress it up and however the season develops, 
the aim, the burning at the start of every season, as Jürgen has said many times, is to get back into the top four, to be in, to be in the Champions League, to qualify. And Liverpool took their eye off the ball last season and paid the price. They needed to make sure that they didn't do something similar this season. And I think if you look at the way this league was in August, I think there would have been a lot of people who said, OK, it might be difficult. You know, you look at Chelsea's rebuild, you look at Manchester United, you know, they've not had a great season. Obviously, Newcastle have struggled with, with juggling competitions and injuries. You know, you had Tottenham being reserved. And so there was definitely some doubt over whether Liverpool would be one of the best four teams in the league this season. I didn't personally. I thought I thought they would. But I think there was, there was reason to say, well, right, well, let's see. The position they put themselves in is brilliant. And what it does is it means that they can now start to target higher and look at higher and say, can we finish third, second, first? Um, I believe they can. Personally, I think it'll be difficult to win the league, but I think they're, they're capable of doing it if they get you know a bit of luck with injuries and if they can keep this momentum going. I think there's still some doubts around City and Arsenal and I think they, they're going to have to go some to finish above Liverpool. Um, but yeah, you're right. I mean, you look at these next sort of, what, four, five, five, take, take Union San Juan out because I think that's more of a, you know, a, a game just to get past and I don't expect to see too many um, key players featuring in that one, although I might be wrong. Um, you look at the next four games after that, you've got a League Cup quarterfinal, you've got three huge league games. You're right to say that Manchester United are not ones that scare you, but I think Liverpool-Manchester United should focus minds enough, you know, in terms of they can't carry on being so bad. I'm sure they're going to have a difficult one on a Tuesday night against Bayern Munich. They could be going into that sort of a, you know, either void by qualifying for the Champions League knockouts or, you know, at rock bottom haven't gone out and that makes them a dangerous proposition because they can only go up. <clears throat> Excuse me. So I think getting through these next two home games in the league, especially, I think if they could take six points from them, I would be feeling really good going into Christmas. Um, I'd be feeling that Liverpool are in prime position to, at the very least, challenge for the, the title and potentially even win it. I mean, yeah, you you mentioned about sort of injuries there as well. And I think one of, one of the most sort of upsetting, really, is sort of Joel Matip. Given yeah. the form that he was in, you know, up, up until this point, and you look at sort of where his contract is ending and the nature of the injury that will effectively rule him out for the rest of the season, it's it's quite cruel, um, to be completely honest, about sort of the situation. Um, I, I believe Klopp spoke about his future. <coughs> Sorry, pardon me. Uh, and his contract and was sort of saying, uh, you know, he hopes the club will do the right thing which in my mind would be sort of keeping him around at least until his recovery um, yeah. is completed with. But um, I would wonder, I don't know if you've heard anything around potential plans to extend his contract beyond that point, wherever that point may be, uh, given the form he had experienced. I know he's obviously 32 and a lot is made of his age, um, but I don't know if it'd be the sort of thing the club or even the player would consider. Yeah, I think I think what would be the likeliest scenario would be Liverpool give him another year on top of his current contract, you know, I've guessed on reduced terms or on maybe, you know, a sort of a, a performance-based thing. And, you know, you're looking, what was Virgil's injury when he'd done the ACL? I think he was, he'd done it in October. He was back in sort of July. So that's what, nine months. So you look at Joel Madden, nine months from here, we take him into the start of next season. And obviously then you've still got a bit of time to, before you're ready to play first-team football. So you could be looking at sort of back end of, of next um, next year. You know, 2024. Um, so I, I think that would be the likeliest scenario that Liverpool would give him a contract, maybe extension or offer him a contract extension that takes him through his rehab to the end of, of next season 
um, with a with a sort of a proviso that look, if you do get back to playing, which isn't you know it's not going to be easy for him. You know, the age he is, you know, the injuries that he's had previously, and the, and the nature of the injury that he's got here makes it a really difficult one to recover from. But it sounded like yeah, he was putting a bit of pressure on the club, or certainly putting the conversation out there that he expects the club to sort of look after a player that's you know spent seven years, it'll be eight years next next summer um, at the club, and you know while he isn't maybe one of the sort of the the icons or the stars of of Liverpool's success in that period, you know, when he's been fit, he's tended to be one of Liverpool's better players, hasn't he? You know, and he's he's um he started the Champions League final, started produced big performances in the FA Cup final, the League Cup final. He's part of the title winning side. He's uh he's more than played played his part. And if you know, you say sentiment's dead in football a little bit, but I think there's some. Some players and some clubs where it isn't, and I think Liverpool and Joel Matt, it might be uh, in that bracket. I mean, I don't have the exact sort of figure to hand, but I'm, I'm vaguely aware that certainly his record alongside Van Dijk uh, is quite formidable, really. I think yeah. a lot of this you know, made, I think, automatically goes towards what our first choice uh, centre back partnership should be in many. Many people's eyes, of course, with Van Dijk and Canate, but um, we, we, should, we certainly shouldn't underestimate how important Matt it has. Uh, since his move from Schalke. Um, inevitably, of course, with the injury, um, the questions turned to transfers. Um, I think Jürgen sort of made himself sort of very clear on this subject uh, when he was talking about centre-backs and sort of saying, you know, they all cost money, it has to be the right player. Uh, can you tell me a club who wants to sell a top, top centre-back in January? It's, it's all the kind of noise you'd expect from the manager, uh, to be honest, when it, when it comes to such a subject. Um I suppose I want, I want to check sort of where you currently sit on this because Liverpool do still have centre back cover, you know, Kwanzaa, Gomez, Canate. But I, I suppose the question is really how Liverpool are going to go about sort of future proofing themselves yeah. from here on. I, I think logically we probably will see a new centre back come in by the summer, if if not in January. Um, do, you, do you feel that the cover is enough? to get us to that point? Or do you feel Liverpool should be? I suppose it's a question of who is available, uh, really, yeah. at this point. And it would be a young player. It wouldn't necessarily be another 32-year-old centre-back or even a 29-year-old. It would be around the 20-year-old mark, I- I'd be guessing. Yeah, yeah. Liverpool need a centre-back. 100% need a centre-back. Um, they need one next summer. I think they need one in January. Um, I don't think you can bank on Canate staying fit for the, the entirety of the season. I don't think even if he is, you can bank on him to play three games in a week. At this moment in time, you've seen his fitness troubles already this season. You know, he's, he's had to be pulled out of France squads and he's you know, he's, he's had to be left out of of, um, of Liverpool games because, not necessarily because of injuries, because of fear of injury. Um, he's he's a really good defender. And he, he made a big impact actually off the bench. You know, we talked about a lot of subs. On, on Saturday, but Canate was one of those who made a difference stepping up the pitch and sort of getting Liverpool into the Palace half. You know, he did it. He did it a bit clumsily at times, but you know, he he he, he did it with the right intentions. Um, Kwanzaa, look, he's a bit unlucky with the penalty, and I don't think he did too much else wrong. But he's still talking about a player who's played seven or eight games in the Premier League. Uh, sorry, in 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 senior football, you know, at the top level for Liverpool, and it's it's not. Um, it's not going to be easy for him to sort of play regularly, I don't think, or we can't expect him to play regularly. So I think Liverpool need to... I'm sure they are. I think Liverpool will be looking at what's available in January. Klopp said, Klopp set the tone. I think he's managing expectations with his comments. You know, look, we're not going to be on there on January the 1st, sort of, you know, 
trolley dashing trying to get centre backs. But they will no doubt be aware that they needed one anyway. And what's available in January can change as January progresses. We saw it with Luis Diaz. Obviously, we saw it last season with with Cody Gakpo. That you know suddenly a, 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 an opportunity becomes available and Liverpool move quickly. So I wouldn't be amazed if something else happened. I think if they wanted to be, if they were in a position where they're top of the league and they're they're obviously through into the Carabao Cup semi-finals, where they've got two legs to come up in that. They've obviously got FA Cup games to come up. I know, I know they've got a difficult draw in the third round, so they might be out of that quickly. Um, obviously, they've got Europa League coming up. I think they're going to have to get another one in there because I don't think they can rely on, you know, the four that they've got. There's, there's a question mark around all of them. One of them, is a, one of them is basically a right-back cover at the moment and doing pretty well at it. Another one is 20 years of age and very inexperienced, and the other one's got major fitness issues. Um, so I think Liverpool needs to get another one, personally. Whilst we, we'll go back to uh, transfers, I do want to touch on sort of the back line uh, briefly. Uh, We've we, we seen with Calvin Ramsey, he did make a return uh, to the pitch on his loan spell, but he's now unfortunately now been sidelined by COVID. Um, I mean, he seems to be the unluckiest footballer in the world at the minute. Um, I, 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 bring him up, I bring him up partially because he was the one we did sign for the right-back position uh, last season. Um, and there's been a lot of debate, of course, around Trent Alexander-Arnold. You know, what, what he's, again, as usual, what his best position is, whether they need to permanently transition him uh, into midfield and then whether we do need to then sign another right-back beyond that to fill his boots. Um the thing that sort of I tend to bear in mind is obviously we have Calvin Ramsey, uh, injuries and uh, bad luck aside, uh, we also have uh, Connor Bradley uh, uh, as well, um, and that's I think quite you know important, especially when we look at Trent being a player that we did promote from the academy. I, I, I don't think it's as simple as sort of saying we move Trent as a midfield and buy um, an, you know an experienced player. I mean to be honest, I think if you're looking at the current market, you, you're going to struggle to get uh, someone in who's 20, 30 years older. I think it'll be ridiculously expensive. Um, but I mean, I where, where, where do you stand on this particular issue? Do, do you feel it is sort of as simple as some have been making it, push Trent into midfield and, you know, pop a body in this place? Or are, are we still getting the best out of him from a hybrid position? Uh, yeah, I think so. Well, yeah, you know, his last, his last few games, he's been outstanding, hasn't he? You know, playing in, in different roles, you know. OK, yeah, he got a, he got a goal when moved into midfield, but he scored a free kick when he was playing at right back. He, you know, he, he he was pretty good battling against Jeremy Doku in, in that, that, that City game. You know, he, he wasn't sort of, he wasn't run ragged in that game, albeit Doku, Doku was, you know, quite frightening in, in some of the, the moments that he had. But I think the problem that Liverpool have got is that they signed a player in Calvin Ramsey that they thought would have been potentially capable of, of stepping in and he's, he's had nothing but bad luck since and you know he's he's probably a year and a half behind where Liverpool thought he was going to be, hoped he was going to be. You know, it's very hard to imagine that he'll be ready to play in the first team come next next season because he's had so little football. You know, he's played a couple of games last season for, for Liverpool, you know, off I think one start and on one sub appearance in the Champions League. He's played precious little for Preston in the first half of this season. He's had two at least big injuries i think three actually he had a back injury had an ankle problem uh, sorry a knee problem and i think it was an ankle problem at the start of this season um so you'd be looking at him going back on loan i think next season definitely just to try and catch up if nothing else conor bradley's an interesting one obviously i'm sure we'll see him thursday night 
against Union. Um, you know, get a get a bit of minutes um, under his belt. He's had injuries himself, but he's got fifty games under his under his belt at um at, at Bolton last season. So he's got some first team experience. I think Jurgen likes him. I think he likes his style and the sort of energy that he brings. He's a bit he's a bit of a sort of a bridge between maybe Nico Williams and Trent. You know, he's sort of he's all action like Nico Williams was, but he's a little bit more composed. You know, not to the level of Trent, but a bit more in that vein in terms of his composure on the ball. Um, he could be an interesting one. I think Joe Gomez is, is obviously the one that people don't mention really, you know, in terms of buying a right back. Could it be Joe Gomez? You know, could it be the guy that you say, well, actually, we'll just change change tack. We'll go a little bit more like Manchester City. We'll have, you know, bigger, bigger defenders who are more sort of defenders first rather than attackers. And you look at what Gomez has done when he's played this season. You think he's another one who's had a decent campaign. He had a big impact on the Palace game, you know, doing standard right back things really, wasn't he? You know, locking down that right hand side and getting forward when he could. He could be the option that Liverpool look at when they do move Trent in. It could be it could be a horses for courses thing where they say, Well, it's Bradley if you if you need a certain type of right back and Gomez if you need a more secure and sort of solid one. But I think longer term, yeah, I think it's gonna be difficult for Liverpool to sort of fully commit to that idea of Trent in midfield, not only because of the midfielders that they've got, but because of the, the challenge it faces them in, in recruiting. They've already got to recruit a centre-back, maybe two. You know, recruiting a right-back as well would make that even more difficult. I also think about sort of the impact on the makeup of the midfield, because, I mean, depending on what you want to do, whether you want to keep that three-man midfield, is who, who are you shifting out? You know what I mean? Yeah. You're thinking yeah. that, that, right, that right central midfield position is made for Sabozlai, but then are you upsetting... The balance of the side, because you, then you go, you're saying, well, you, you, your metronome on the other side of the pitch, you know, your Jones or maybe McAllister, sort of long term or Gravenberg, um, you, you, you're saying to one of them, well, you've got to go, and then <laughs> it, it, it probably yeah. creates more problems for Liverpool than solutions. Um, but um, it sure keeps, I mean, listen, yeah. what what they have at the moment is flexibility, isn't it? In, in a lot of a lot of areas, really, you know, even in the forward line, you look at you know, Gakpo. Um, capable of playing that midfield role, certainly off the bench, you know, he, he, he almost did it, didn't he really, on, on the weekend, you know, he sort of dropped into that quite a deeper role. As I say, you've got Curtis Jones who can play sort of anywhere really in that midfield three and probably off the left if you need him to. He's got Harvey Elliott, he can do the same, but off the right. I mean, Elliott, I heard Jürgen sort of say, didn't he? He said Elliott played as a 10 on Saturday and that, you know, that I think that is one that I think if Liverpool did play with a 10, I think Elliot would be sort of a, a, a real good option to play in that, that position because he's got that the, the tools to do it. Um, but what they've got at the moment, certainly within games, but also, you know, change from week to week is, is flexibility to say, well, OK, it's not working as it is. We'll move Trent into midfield. We'll take off, a, you know, Endo or McAllister or whoever. We'll, we'll, we'll move a couple of players around and we'll change the system. And they've done it pretty successfully this season. No, absolutely, absolutely. Uh, we'll, we'll back it back onto um, uh, sort of January uh, potential January business. Obviously, uh, Klopp has laid down some sort of warning statements, but um, you never know with Liverpool with January. And certainly, we've done some of our best business over the years in that particular window. It's fair to say. Um, I've seen a few names kind of linked and a few of them you kind of think, oh, I'm not really sure how that sort of happens. I mean, uh, Calhoun Oglu is certainly one I just can't see Liverpool sort of going anywhere near, but seems to be uh, constantly linked of late. Uh, ones that perhaps may be of greater interest and certainly fit within sort of the age profile that Liverpool tend to, to, to look into. 
the likes of uh, Lenny Yoro of League R uh, and Alex Boehner, uh, 18 years of age and 22 years of age, respectfully defender and midfielder. Uh, do any of those particular names resonate with what you've been hearing ahead of the win? <laughs> those kind of like, I've never, <laughs> I've never heard of either of them. Um, sorry, I've never heard of either of those players. So you have, you have to tell me who they, who they are. Um, Lenny Yoro from, from. Um, let me, yes, let me hang on. I believe it's Lil. Uh, Europe. Yes, it's Lil. Uh, yeah, 18 years of age, born 30 November 2005. Uh, he's racked up a few minutes. He's been quite promising uh, in their season. Um, but uh, I, I kind yeah. of think well, I'm looking at some of the. An 18 year old Eight, midfielder. 18 years. Of, uh, yeah. Well, he's, he's the centre half. Um, and Alex right, Bainer, okay. uh is the midfielder at uh, 22. Uh, Villa, Villarreal. No, no, beg your pardon. Yeah, no, it is Villarreal. <laughs> okay. like, it should be, should be someone else. Yeah. So it's kind of, yeah. Yeah, obviously this isn't insightful at all because I've never, I've literally never heard of either of those players. And uh, I've certainly not heard them linked to Liverpool. If you're talking about, if you're talking about just a concept of Liverpool signing an 18-year-old centre-back, I could see it because it's a centre-back. They need a centre-back. I think they need two, personally, because I don't think, I don't think Joe Gomez is a centre-back anymore and I don't know if Canate is a reliable enough centre-back. So I'd like Liverpool to have as much cover. Yeah, if they were to buy a project centre-back, someone who they think is going to have elite potential or, or potential um, to, to get to a very high level, then that would make sense. They've done it before, obviously, with Seth Vandenberg and it didn't work out. Um, it would depend on what the sort of finances were and what they what they viewed of, of that player. In terms of signing a 22-year-old midfielder from Villarreal, a player that, yeah, what hold midfielder, I'm guessing, um, he would be. I don't see Liverpool signing another number eight. I think it would have to be a specialist hold midfielder and it would have to be someone that they believe was going to be a gem to play for Liverpool. I don't know. I don't know this player, so I couldn't tell you whether it's him. But they've, they've obviously veered away from Andre uh, on the grounds that they already bought Endo. He was only 30. They bought Gravenberg, obviously, to, to fill further ahead. They've got McAllister. They've got Trent, as it, as it turns out at this moment. I don't think they'll be signing a number six unless it's sort of the one, the one that's going to be the number six for the next five, six years um, of Liverpool. I don't know whether Alex Boehner is, is that guy, but I, I wouldn't be getting excited about the links. Yeah, bizarrely, I mean, I've had a quick look at sort of where he sort of played positionally. Uh, this seat, he's been very versatile for Villarreal, uh, mainly featuring on uh, the left of midfield. Um, I, I'd assume more of as, as a kind of deeper kind of winger, judging by where they've played him. Yeah. Uh, so probably, yeah, it, it's a bit. It's a bit of a straight. Very versatile. He has, he has played central midfield. Uh, in six Listen, you make but, you uh, make you make exceptions for elite players. You know, Liverpool, Liverpool are like any other club. If it's an elite player that's available, and you say, well, do you know what, we just can't say no to this guy. He's so good then they'll make exceptions. But you look at what Liverpool have got, I wouldn't expect them to be signing a player who plays for the left of the midfield or, you know, I wouldn't be expecting them to sign. To be honest, I, I don't expect them to sign another six at this moment in time, but unless injuries come. Um, but certainly, you know, if you've got Curtis Jones, you've got Ryan Gravenberg, you've got obviously Stefan Bacchett is still to, still to return. You know, we're still waiting for him to come back. You've got Harvey Elliott. Um You've got Trent being in, you know, in and out of midfield as well. I think Liverpool aren't in terrible nick in terms of the options they've got in midfield. Just maybe finding the right balance at this moment. 
No, absolutely. I, I think the key conversations to be had really um, is a the back line, and then b more perhaps laying the groundwork for the summer is is a potential heir to the Salah throne, not necessarily replacing uh, Salah because you'd have to think we'd be having conversations perhaps about a contract extension, but certainly someone you have in mind you think long-term could fulfil that role for you. Um, one name Liverpool have been heavily linked with who could play that position um, is Florian Wirtz of Bayer Leverkusen. Now, he's come on leaps and bounds this season. He's already smashed his goals, his goals and assists tally from uh, the prior term. He's got 12 in all comps. Uh, so he had 12 in all comps last term. He's now had 17 this season in fewer minutes and appearances, I believe. Um, Leverkusen are confident, of course, naturally of keeping him until 2025. This isn't going to be a player that will go cheaply or certainly that Xabi Alonso will want to, to lose, certainly if he isn't nabbed by Real Madrid uh, in the summer of Carlo Ancelotti does go to uh, Brazil, as, as some forecast. Um I mean, have you heard much about the German and sort of Liverpool's interest? Because, it, I mean, it, it's a case of, it's hard to distinguish between what is simply an astonishing player being linked with Liverpool because it's Liverpool and yeah. whether Liverpool's interest is indeed genuine yeah. or if they have any hopes of being able to pay an astronomical fee, a likely astronomical yeah. fee for a player of this talent. Yeah, I would be very sceptical on, on Liverpool and Florian Wirtz just because there'll be so much competition for him. You know, he's, he's one of those players that, it's being primed, isn't it? He feels like he's been primed since the moment he came into Leverkusen's first team, really. What was he? Was he 15 or 16? I think there was, was the famous story that he he was doing his um his exams. He couldn't miss a game because he was doing exams. Um, he seems like he's been primed for a move to one of the big, big, big European clubs. Um, and obviously Liverpool are, are one of them. But I think there's there's a, a long list of suitors, and you know the obvious candidates really: Bayern Munich, Real Madrid, Barcelona. Manchester City. Um, he scored yesterday, didn't he? He scored the, the drew with with Valfe Stuttgart, and he, he scored again. So he, he's in he's in unbelievable form. <laughs> Pretty much the entire Leverkusen team's in unbelievable form this season, you know, at home and abroad. So I think yeah, there'll be a lot of interest in him. Um, he's going to cost a lot of money, obviously. You know, coming out of Germany, I don't don't think he'll maybe be at the level of sort of Jude Bellingham, but I don't think it'll be too far away. You know, you look at Leverkusen, what they were able to do with Kai Havertz when he when he came through. I think they got was it eighty million for him. Um, yeah, Havertz is probably as as highly rated, maybe a little less, or maybe I don't know, comparably rated to to Havertz at this moment in time. So it's going to cost a lot. I think competition will be fierce for. Um, for Liverpool, if they want to sign him, they'd have to put a lot of a lot of work in, and also they'd have to be convinced that again, he's he's the direction that their team's going to go in because he's a very different player to Mo Salah. He's, you know, everyone's a very different player to Mo Salah, but you are changing your team immensely if you're signing a player like Florian Wirtz, and um, when you've got you know more explosive sort of, um, yeah, what's the word, competitive type players at the front end of the pitch. Yeah, no, I agree. I, I, I suppose the problem is, is, as you say, like whoever you bring in is going to be radically different yeah. to, to most. I mean, um, as far as I'm aware, there isn't a, a regen currently sort of available who you could. Just, I mean, it'd be amazing. Uh, you could just no, sort well, of I mean, slot what, what, right in. What yeah. I would say, what I would say, sorry, is you know there, there will be an expectation that Liverpool sign this sort of the big name to replace Mo Salah, but Mo Salah wasn't. The big name when they signed him, you know, he was, he was big enough, but he was mid-range, sort of, you know, decent, better than decent, sort of, Serie A attacking player, you know, 
still plenty of doubts around what level he was going to be at. You know, no, I don't think anyone would have said that he'd be at the level that, that he was. You know, people thought he was a good player and he had potential, but you know, you, you would never have said, I don't think that he'd be potentially one of the best players in the world when Liverpool signed. I think the same with Sadio Mane, same with Roberto Firmino. You know, Liverpool are capable of finding these players that you maybe don't expect them to find. So it isn't a case of literally like, okay, search filter, right, right-sided, left foot, 30 goals a season, 120 million. It might be a case of, look, this is a player that you go, well, really, you know him? I, you know, I haven't seen it, but they, they might they might see the potential that you don't get. And it might be a different type of player. It could be a number 10 that they sort of see and say, well, you know what, we'll go a bit narrower, we'll do this, we'll do that. Um, I don't think there'll be, you know, there will be pressure on Liverpool to buy a big name or to spend big but it might not be the obvious sort of solution that they go for when they when they're looking to re- to replace or succeed or you know whatever Mo Salah. Um, it might be that they do it subtly where you don't even notice it, and suddenly all of a sudden a player just steps out of the blue and goes, "Wow, okay, yeah, that's the that's the solution." Um, yeah, I mean, I'd like words. I'd love to see someone like Florian Wirtz at Liverpool. <laughs> he's, he's he's such a good player, isn't he? You know, he's real real potential, real talent. But I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be sort of, yeah, I'm not, don't, those links don't sort of, you know, make me sit up and get close to the screen and say, wow, okay, this is, this is, this is what Liverpool are going to go for. I, I'd be surprised if they did. You almost want Liverpool to go for the sort of left of field um, solutions as well. I mean, as, as you say, I, I'd be surprised if when we bought him at the time, Salah would be considered one of the sort of top 30 sort of attackers in world football. Uh, maybe, maybe I don't know if that's perhaps unfair. We're, we're, but I mean, you could have to say a similar thing about sort of Andy Robertson, for instance, as yeah. well. We've sort of signed from Hull City. It's not necessarily about going for the the top twenty sort of rated sort of young centre backs in, in the world football, or, or younger full backs, or young attackers. So I think there's certainly. I mean, Liverpool yeah. have certainly got a raft of evidence to support their approach. I think, I think you need to buy what you need to buy a player that in all positions, but I think centre-back is a, is a good example, but you need to buy a player that, that is capable of doing what the team needs them to do. It's not necessarily about, you know, being the sort of this all-singing, all-dancing, the best player on the pitch every single week. It's about, can he, can he win five five aerial duels in a game when Liverpool dominates because the other team starts to go long over the press? Can he, can he if the midfield is being pressed as it was by by Palace on, on the weekend. Can he step into midfield and, and take a couple of players out the game and then play a pass? Or can he can he, you know, um hit a hit a ball through the lines into forwards feet, that kind of thing. It's about skill sets and it's not necessarily about sort of right, okay, you know, he's he's got two hundred and fifty games for you know at the top level. He's won the Champions League three times, he cost hundred million. It's just about skill sets. And Liverpool have done relatively well, I think, in finding the players with the right skill. And you look even even Going back to the summer, you look at Sabosla, you know, I don't, again, he wasn't one that I don't think many people signed posters until he was almost signed. But you look at him and you say, yeah, that makes sense, doesn't it? Straight away, you see him straight and going, well, yeah, he can run, he can do that. Yeah, that, that was a sign that makes sense. Um, I think you look at Gakpo, when he when he came in last season, it didn't take long, maybe it took a month, and then he went like, yeah, OK, I can see the intelligence that he's got, the way he drops in, you know, strength, position, um, yeah, positional awareness. It's about finding players that can fit the framework of the team. It's not necessarily about becoming, you know, someone who, who dominates the team or, or, or you know, um, it becomes the sort of the centrepiece of, of, of Liverpool. I think I think that the collective has always been the greatest strength of Liverpool. Of course, within that, a few stars have emerged and 
Yeah, when you talk about Salah, we're getting 200 at the weekend. You know, who would have, whoever would have said that? You know, I think you'd have taken 100, wouldn't you? When he signed, you'd have said, wow, if he gets 100 goals for Liverpool, what a, what a sign he's been. He's doubled it and uh, he'll have a lot more by the time he's finished, I'm sure. Oh, gotcha. He's only 28 now off of uh, Billy Little in fourth. Yeah. Um, well, I'm sure Rush will be willing him on to sign a new contract and uh, make a proper go of his record, of course, which is, you'd have to say would certainly be achievable. Um, but I could talk about Mo Salah for ages. Um, I, what, one final name I just wanted to run past you because um, it came from a, a reasonably reliable source in Florian Plettenberg of Sky Germany. Um, he discussed Maximilian Bayer of Hoffenheim. Uh, specifically mentioned Liverpool's yeah. interest in the player. He's another young name that is impressing uh, in yes, 16, Germany. 16, 17? He's about, yeah, I've, I've got him up. He's uh, a, uh, no, actually, sorry, <laughs> he's, he's 21, actually. Um, oh, he's one I'm that got, he sort of thinks. Yeah, yeah, no, he's tw- 21. I mean, still, still very young, certainly, you'd have to say, uh, for Liverpool, but certainly still fits uh, the age profile, primarily a centre-forward, that he is capable uh, of playing on the left wing and right wing, has played mainly central and partially on the left this season, I believe. Um, yeah. Ten goal contributions in 15 games this season, quite reasonable for a 21-year-old in Germany. And Liverpool yeah. are reportedly interested in him. Um, have you been hearing similar noises on on your end? No, absolutely not. No, I mean, I mean, that, but I wouldn't. You know, that doesn't mean that doesn't mean he isn't. Um, but no, there's been no way that Liverpool. I mean, they're not gonna. I'm pretty sure they're not gonna buy a forward in 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 January unless something drastic happens to to someone else. You know, I know they've already lost Diogo Jota, but I think he should be back. If not Burnley, then maybe New Year's Day. Um, possibly before that. You know, he was back running last week, so that's not a long term issue. I do think there are some. I think there's some questions to be had. Longer term, if you if you were if you were tweaking your squad and if you were sort of looking at your squad and saying, right, we've got everything else in place, what can we improve? I think there are some questions to be had about Liverpool's forward line. You know, they've obviously committed to Darwin Nunez. He, he, I think he still needs to improve. Obviously, I, I'm a big fan of his, but I think his form this season has tailed off, or not tailed off, but it's not been as consistent as you'd like it to be. And I think there's some doubts about Luis Diaz. Um, longer term, I think you might be able to look and say. Especially if someone like Salah was to leave, do you need a more explosive kind of player down at left? Do you, you know he's he's quicker, he's able to beat defenders. Diaz is a lot more plays inside the field and things like that. But for now and going forward till the end of this season, I think Liverpool's forward options are fine, um, more than more than enough. So I don't expect them to be doing anything um, unless it's again it's it's a player that they were already going to sign in, in in the summer and he suddenly becomes available. In, in January, um, I think you're probably going to do anything in the market. I think it'll be a more defensive defensive sign in, in January. Um, but yeah, there's obviously going to be a lot of links with Bundesliga players, with buyer people like that. Who you know, obviously with George Schmadke in charge, and Liverpool have shown that they're they're shopping in the Bundesliga in in the summer. Three of the four signings came from there. Um, if there is a player that's available at a, at a good at a good deal, who they think is going to be a you know potential first teamer. Then yeah, I'm sure they'll be at the at the front of the queue, but I, I haven't heard anything on that front, and I wouldn't expect it to be in January. It's, it, it's mad, isn't it, when we sort of talk about the forward? And, and I agree with you. I think um, I, w- I would like to see some improvements from from Luis Diaz and, and Darwin Nunez. But you know, it was it wasn't that long ago that we were sort of saying we were hailing this sort of forward line as being probably having you know having the best array of attacking options um, across the entirety. Oh. 
of Europe. I mean, if, if we go back to the start of this conversation, we said we don't really know the level of Liverpool. I think the forward line's a good example of that, really, you know, in terms of which of the forwards this season has played well. As in, would you say, okay, PFA team of the year, you know, which of the forwards is getting in? Probably only Salah close, but the others, you know, yeah, they've all had moments, they've all contributed, but they've all been more efficient than than you know exceptional haven't they, in terms of their performances you know Diaz started the season particularly well Nunes had the purple patch sort of a little bit after that Gakpo sort of dipped in and out and played a few different positions Jota's been Jota in terms of you know popping up with <laughs> important goals as, as is his way um, but yeah the rest you know it hasn't been one that you sort of you know that's probably the beauty of it. There's not one you rely on, really, beyond Sally. There's not one where you say, oh, God, we need him to have a good game today because if he doesn't, the other one probably will pop up and score off the bench or, you know, if, if you have to leave one out, the other one will step in and play well. So, um, yeah, it's a it's a strange one, really. But I, I just have it. I don't know. I, I, I agree with you. I think I want to see Nunes stay on side for starters. I want to see him sort of start taking the easy chances to come his way because I think as the season gets tighter and, and you know, you are in a title race, they're the sort of things that can cost you in, in games that you draw and things like that. Um, and I just have, I don't know, I have a little bit of a, a bit of a downer on Diaz at the moment, just in terms of the way he plays. And I'd like to see him be a bit more, I don't know, a bit more direct in what he does and go for goal and, and, and cause fullbacks. I think he's a little bit too easy to play against at the moment, but he's got games coming up that are perfect to shut idiots like me up. Well, I, I, I wouldn't say it's idiotic. I, I, I think, to a certain degree, I'm sympathetic of him because of, apart, well, to a significant degree, of what he's gone through in his personal life recently. I, I, of you know, course, I do. of course. You should. I, 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 I mean, think, I, know, really should, yeah. I really should have said that at the start of the, the entire piece. And, you know, who knows what sort of mental strain that's put under. Um, but I actually think it was before, even before this, I think there, was, there were just signs that maybe he lost a little bit of that acceleration or maybe he's lost a little bit of the confidence of of, of of taking on defenders. I'd like to see him get back to those sort of first four or five months when he was at Anfield when it felt like he was giving fullbacks an absolute nightmare every time he played against someone. You know, he felt like he was the sort of the the outlet for Liverpool. It just feels a little bit like it's got a little bit too sort of predictable down that left hand side at times. Absolutely no he was the guy we sort of looked at when we, when we were pushing for a quadruple, you make that signing and you think, my God, Liverpool could really go for yeah. it all here. This is completely yeah. supercharged in our attempt. Um, but yes, um, but this seems like a good place to leave it, leave the conversation for now, <laughs> to return to another point. Uh, Neil, it's been an absolute pleasure having you on. Thank Thanks you so much for coming on. Um, everyone, of course, can catch your work on Twitter at Neil Jones Goal or on your Substack with covering Liverpool at neilj.substack.com. with of course have this conversation on our own YouTube at Empire and, of course, on our own Substack at empirethecop.substack.com. Hope you've enjoyed watching this one. Uh, this has been uh, myself, Farrell Keeling, with Empire of the Cop and the lovely Neil Jones. Take care.